Welcome to the Sports Card Lessons Podcast with your host, Big Ken, a retired teacher bringing you lessons each week he's learned in the hobby by taking you behind the table and inside the mind of a dealer and a collector. Sit back and relax. There won't be a test. The only thing being graded here is the cards. Welcome to the Sports Card Lessons Podcast. I'm your host, Big Ken. Whether you're watching on YouTube or listening on a streaming service, please like, subscribe, and hit the notification bell so you'll be notified whenever I drop any new content. Welcome and thanks for being here. Before I start, I want to update you. And last week on Sunday, uh, I was talking about uh, negotiating for a card, sending a, a counter offer, and not hearing back. Um, so later on Sunday, because I did the episode earlier on Sunday, because we had uh, people coming over for the Father's Day dinner. So later Sunday evening, while I was enjoying my Father's Day steak dinner, I received a message back with a counter to my counter, uh, and I did ex- I did accept it. So I finished uh, off Sunday with with a win, with a W. Uh, shout out to my man Brian uh, at. Rip and flip wax underscore between each one uh, for the deal on this uh, Trinity Rodman. It's game worn. It's her first game worn. Um, it's a pair of her shorts. It's number two of 10. Um, and it's a really sick patch on it. I just hold that up there so you can see it. Um, if you're on YouTube, uh, super excited. It even has the date on the back that she wore the shorts. They won the game, won nothing, and she actually scored that goal. So uh, really cool. Really super excited to have this for my PC. And and if you remember, I talked about missing out on a card earlier. So it was an identical card uh, that had just an all red patch on it, and it was numbered to 100. So this being numbered to 10, so it made up for missing out on the number to 100. So let's get started. Wow. Episode 100. 100 100 episodes i never thought i would make it here but i'm super pumped that i did uh and when i was preparing for this episode i thought what could i do that could symbolize you know not only 100 episodes but it's the final episode of season two so season one i did 50 episodes uh and i when i started season two and season one took me a whole year i was only doing once a week um every now and then i would i would throw in an extra uh, episode when I was at, uh, the national, I did, I think two or three episodes there, but it took me from March all the way to, 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 through to December to do my first 50 episodes. And now started in January, you know, here it is June, uh, and we've knocked out 50 episodes already. So just to stay with the 50 episodes per season, this is the final episode of season two. Uh, and next week we'll start season three. I'm not going to miss any time, not going to skip any weeks, anything. We're just going to jump right in. Just keep it going. Uh, I thought what a, what a better, better way than to take, you know, I'm not going to say the biggest lessons, but just lessons that I've learned in the first hundred, hundred episodes, you know, my first two years being back in the hobby. Now it's not all the lessons I've learned, but just some of the ones I thought was important enough to, you know, to talk about, um, you know, finding your people. And I think of all the lessons that I've learned in the hobby, uh, 
finding your people is probably the most important one because if you don't, no matter what you do in life, if you don't find your people, if you're not happy and find like-minded people and you're not going to stay, you're going to lose interest in whatever you're doing and just move on. Um, so I think it's really important not only to find your people, right, but find your wolf pack, right? And you've heard us talk about the wolf pack uh, so many times over the last so many months. Um, I would have never jumped back into the hobby when I did if it wasn't for my good friend Rob, sports card therapist. And I would have never stayed if I hadn't met. I mean, our friendship has really taken off, you know, just through this hobby. And, and you know, we became best friends here in this hobby. And, and you know, if it wasn't for that and all the other people I've met in this hobby, I would have never stayed. Um, as much as I love the cards in the hobby, I think the people is really what made this hobby great. Um, all the friends I've made, the people I've talked to. Um, I talk to more people now daily than I've ever talked to my life. And I, I don't, I mean, some I talk to on the phone, but I'm messaging uh, through Instagram, through Facebook, just through so many things, even text messages. Um, and it's not always about the cards. It could be about anything in the hobby, but it may not be about things in the hobby too, because as you get to know people, there's, you know, there's more to us than just the hobby. Um, I'll echo this from sports card therapist, but participation is required, right? It's something you've heard. He did an episode, his season one, um, and it really stands true. It's one of those little sayings that we just keep saying all the time, but being, you know, just, just being in the hobby is, is not enough, right? Just saying I'm in the hobby or, you know, if you really want to be a, be a part part of the hobby, you need to really get out and participate, right? You need to get to shows. You need to meet people. You need to be active on social media. Um, it's what I've done since I've jumped back in, and I'm probably more active than you know. You know, I I don't want to say all the people in the wolf pack because they're active in their own way, but I'm pretty active out there. I talk to a lot of people. I try to go to as many shows. Uh, I, if there's a show on the weekend that I can get to, I go to a show. Um, I get involved in things as much as I can. But what's it done for me? It's really provided me, you know, some great opportunities. Um, it helps me create my content. What I'm doing here. Uh, and, and it's almost like catching up in the hobby, right? Where people have been in this hobby for, you know, more years than I've been. But for me, it's almost like catching up too, where I'm really uh, going out there and participating in as much as I can, uh, really just to get caught up in meeting as many people. And I'm like a sponge. And if you see me, you know me at the show. I, I, I'm always asking people questions. I'm one of those people that I'm asking, asking, asking questions all the time. Just because, you know, I, it, it, even though I was a teacher, right? I, I, teachers make the best students, right? And I'm always learning. I'm always I'm like a sponge. I'm just taking all that stuff in. Um, you know, some of the opportunities that I've gotten you know, just be just by participating, uh, you know, just great deals on cards, right? People, people will, you know, say, oh, 
sports car lessons. He, you know, wants that Mahomes XRC or he wants a Trinity Rodman or like, and now people will start reaching out to me, you know, Hey, I know you're interested in that. I know you're interested in this. I've got these cards. So I may get, maybe not get great deals, but I get the opportunity to buy these cards that probably wouldn't have come to me if I wasn't out participating and in, in meeting these people. Right. Um, I get table space at shows that have waiting lists, you know, just from talking to people. It's not that they're they're jumping me up on the list, but somebody else has space and says, oh, come on in. I'll get you a half a table or I have two tables. You want to buy one from, you know, like that. Just hearing this, this is how I ended up with extra space at, at the National this year. Just being at a show in the right place at the right time. And somebody said something. I said, 100 percent. I'm in. I'll take it. Um invitations to speak at panels, right? Uh, the basketball hall of fame. I mean, that was just, just something, you know, one of those things that I'll always remember that it was just a, it was a great opportunity for me. And the people I shared the stage with, I was pretty humbled. They were, you know, some pretty big guys in, in the hobby. Um, so yeah, just, just great opportunities, but more importantly, just being out there meeting these people and just participating in the hobby. It's, it's really important. Um, one of the other things I, I want to bring up because it, 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 it's what I've gone through uh, in, in my couple of years, back, me and back then, there's more than two years. Um, but it's okay to change your mind on what you PC. You know, it took me two years, two years of being back in the hobby to really settle into a PC. And, and when I first came in, it was interesting that I used to look in everybody else's cards and see what they, uh, I mean, not their cards, their cases. And I would see the cards in their cases and I would say, oh, wow, that, this is what I need. That's, you know, that Brady or that Mahomes, that's what I need. That's, that's what needs to be my PC. That's what I really want to do. Um, and as far as the way my case looked for, selling at shows, right? I was always trying to improve my case. But the problem was my PC and my show stuff were the same, right? So it they really weren't much different. It's just that my PC stuff had higher price tags on it. Um, so as I started to settle in, you know, over, over this time, um, I've started to really create my own PC. And have cards that are going to the shows that I'm selling and cards that I buy. And I really separated the accounts of the, you know, the, where the money is coming from for my card stuff and this money for my PC stuff. Um, I just really learned to separate it. And to me, that was, that was a big deal. Just learning to separate, you know, the inventory from the PC stuff. Um, and my collecting experience has gotten that much better too. Um, you know, besides the NWSL players and Trinity Rodman, who's now making it, you know, on everybody's radar because the world cup is coming, uh, next month, you know, the cards I'm finding for my PC are reasonably priced. You know, at the beginning, I felt like, you know, your PC, your cards had to be expensive and over the top and, you know, at the end of the day, I figured out, wow, I really, really like these cards and they're priced reasonable. So I can really build this great PC of something I really love at a reasonable price. And I mean, to me, it was just a win-win. Uh, 
So for a lot of people that I know that I set up with will bring their PC cards and put them in the case. One, because they talk about them a lot. And two, because they want other people to see them. They want people to come and look at them and see them. Uh, for me, I don't need to do that anymore. I leave my PC stuff at home. I leave it here on the wall. I've got some other shelving in here uh, that I look at it every day when I'm in this op office and I'm happy because that's for me, right? It's PC is my pers per personal for personal collection, right? So it's for me, it's for me to see. And if you come to my house, you come to my office and you'll get to see them too. And I share them all the time. You'll hear me talking about them when I pick up, like when I picked up this Trinity Rodman card, I'll sit here, I'll tell you about it and I'll show you. But after that, it goes on my shelf. Right. And it's 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 for me. It's here for me. Um, so it's OK um, to change. Right. To change your mind. You may want to. At first, I was I was PCing football. Right. And I decided maybe I don't want to PC football. Maybe just a few P, maybe a few football cards on PC that I want to hold on to. But maybe because I sell football so much at shows, maybe I, I won't make that my PC. Maybe I'll just put that you know, put those in my, uh, in my cases for sale. Uh, my motto in the hobby, and it's an old saying uh, that I used to hear as a kid, and I, I, you don't hear it as an adult, but I still think about it all the time. And, and it was, believe half of what you see and none of what you hear. Believe half of what you see and none of what you hear. And hobby information comes at us like the speed of light. Uh, individually, we need to find a source, you know, that we can trust to to consume content and information. And if we if we're going to go to breakers, like you know, people we can trust there. And even if we're trusting people with our cards, if we want to send them in for group submissions and things like that, you know, when I did did my episode a few weeks ago talking about you know, sending a card in, I heard so many people talking to me about, you know, using group submitters and they're sending cards in and they go off and they say, well, you know, if there were five Luca prisms the same, how do they know who's is who when it comes back? You know, things like that. So there are a lot of people were, that's just one of the stories I heard, but a lot of people just talking about, you know, if you're going to do this stuff, you really, really need to find somebody you can trust, or you need to figure out how to do it yourself. Um, because it, it's hard, it's hard to trust people out there. Um, and, and, you know, we we're watching things all the time. Like I, I, you know, social media, you know, especially with the hobby on YouTube and Instagram, there's just so much, so many videos coming through. You don't even know if they're true or not. That's why a part of that where I just laugh is believe a half what you see because you have no idea even what you what we're looking at is true. Even videos that you see, I mean, I see people they watching these TikToks and they're you know the kids around the house are like, oh my god, watch this. I mean, you're like this is this staged? I mean, you, you can't imagine this stuff happens to people all day and there's a million videos for you to go through. So, um, you know, most of my life I, I haven't really believed in you know a lot of. What I see, you know, social media came, you know, later in life. But even as a kid, what you saw on TV, we didn't believe, you know, much of it. So, uh, yeah, I mean, just, just, just 
know who to trust, know who you're trusting in the hobby and, and where you're getting your information and who's handling your cards, things like that, I think is really, really important. And again, that kind of goes back to finding your people. Like if you find the right people, then, you know, you could find people to trust. Uh, current football cards are the e easiest and the hardest cards to sell, right? Easiest and hardest. The trick is when to buy and when to sell. <laughs> it sounds like the stock market, right? And, and I'm still learning that lesson. Uh, you know, honestly, I, this is my third third football season will be going into, uh, but my second national. And um, I think I've really got my finger on the pulse of this right now. And, and I'm keeping you updated and, you know, it's either going to be an enormous victory uh, come the end of the national, or it's going to be another lesson learned and moving forward on, you know, either correcting or, or, you know, making a change and looking forward to the next year, to the, to the following year in Cleveland. Right. I mean, it, that's just what it comes down to. And this, you know, this hobby is always changing always changing that's that's the one thing that's that's uh a constant here is is these cards are going up these cards are going down this this sports in this sports out so things are are are, are moving uh and i and i've watched it happen and just you know over the last few years and you know just when you say okay i know i know exactly what's going to happen this year and i talked about this in january and february where I had an episode called, you know, is football year round now? Because the, for the two previous years, as soon as the, you know, the, when we got into February, just the teams that were in the Super Bowl, those were the only cards that were really doing well. And everybody was putting their stuff away and it was all basketball was coming out and nobody had football. Um, where this year that people were still selling football pretty much you know, the, the whole year, it hasn't realistically, it, I feel like people put the football out in the spring and then these last few weeks, they pulled it back out saying, okay, now I'm going to wait because everybody says the prices are going to go up in July. So I'm not going to sell my cars. Now I'm going to hold on to them and, 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 you know, wait till next month to sell them. Uh, and I'm, I'm going to Chantilly this weekend. So I'm looking forward to seeing, you know, what the football prices look like down there at, at, a, at a much larger venue uh, compared to some of the local shows I've been attending the last few weeks. And I'll definitely be keeping you updated on my progresses. And, you know, I talked about, you know, putting my box together for the national that I, and, and I have people like I posted some of those cards. Some of those cards are on my Instagram and I have people reaching out and I said, no, they're packed away. You know, I'm just, I'm trying st strong hands right now. I'm just trying to hold on to uh, the, the game plan I put together back in January. Uh, and and hopefully it works. I mean, I, I think probably, you know, the best part of the strategy is having the capital to put out and buy those cards in December, January, February into March, and then just being able to sit on them being okay, just to put them away. Uh, even though I'm going to all these shows that these cards would immediately sell. I know I would have no problem selling these cards, but to put them the way, put them, put them away and then hold on to them when uh, I feel is going to be the best time to, you know, put them out in my case. Uh, if there's a lack of a certain sports card or a card, any, 
type of card at a show or in the hobby uh in general it's not that no one's thought to sell them but there's just probably no demand and if you've been around on my journey from the beginning uh i've been infamous for looking around shows saying wow Nobody has any golf cards out here and nobody has any tennis cards out here and nobody has any music cards out here. Sounding familiar? Uh, so I'm the one who tried. Let, let, let's give that lane a try. Let's figure out, you know, if, if I could be the guy for that lane at any of these shows. Um but at the end of the day, there's just not a lot of buyers. I mean, we're, you know, the shows that I do, the area I'm in, it's just, it, it's, they're not big sellers, you know, hence the 100 plus cards I have for sale on eBay. Um, doesn't mean nobody's going to buy them, but, you know, carry them back and forth to shows if nobody's even looking at them, taking up, you know, precious real estate, because these tables are only six foot or eight foot tables, right? And, you know, some of these shows, the, those tables cost a good amount of money. So uh, to me, it's not worth, you know, taking up that real estate if people really aren't looking for those cards. Um, and, and again, I've been infamous for that. I bounced through so many things thinking, oh, this could be the next thing. This could be the next thing. Uh, I haven't really invested a ton of money into it, but I've been the guy looking to, you know, try to move those things. Um, paying for information. I used to love to play poker. Uh, and I can remember almost every time I played, I'd get into a game or, or, or a tournament and I could spot the strongest player at the table. Uh, it's usually pretty easy to spot a guy that's pretty experienced at a table. Uh, and I would always try to get into a showdown with them early, just the two of us, everybody else folded out and it'd just be us two. And I know, I knew I had a losing hand. There was no way I could win this. Um, but I would watch and I would pick up certain tells or anything I could of the player um, before I made the call, knowing that I was going to lose the pot. There, there was no way I knew I had nothing. I, you know, nothing at all. Um, but even though I lost the pot, I was buying information, right? I was able to see how he was acting and reacting with the cards. Cause when I call, he has to show me what cards he has under there. I don't have to show him mine. I can just muck my cards, just toss them in. But as long as I I'm able to see what his cards are and then pick up information on him and his cards would help me beat him you know, later in the game. And I tell you this story because I treated this hobby kind of the same way when I came back in. You know, so many people said, ah, don't do this and don't do that. But I really felt that I needed to experience all parts of the hobby. Um, not only good, but some of the bad too. Um, not, not only to be a better participant in the hobby, but to have knowledge and stories right? That I can create better content. And, and when I say create better content, not just go out and do something and say, I can sit here and tell you, but go out and experience something. And maybe when I walked away, just tell you what was going through my head, right? And say, you know, I thought this would work, or I didn't think that would work or things like that. But to me, it was just paying for information because there's, you know, there's so many parts of this hobby that I, I, you know, that 
I don't know if people really get involved in. And I'm the type of person, if I'm going to be in something, I want to be in, in it 100%. I want to go in. I want to experience all parts of it because I don't want to get somewhere. I don't want to get in a panel. I don't want to be asked, uh, you know, to to be a guest, you know, an interview on somebody else's show and then ask me a question of some part of the hobby that I have no idea and and just say, you know, have to be the person just to say, I really don't have an answer because I don't have any knowledge on that. So I'm the type of person that I really want to go out and I want to have as much knowledge in everything I can, even though if people said, don't do this, don't do that, do this, do that. It's better off if you do it this way or that way. That's fine. And, and probably most of the time I will do it your way and then see if I can improve on your way. But there's times I said, you know what? I think I might try this. I think I might do this. I think I might give this a try and let's just see what happens. Um, I'm not certainly not investing a lot into, you know, when I'm thinking and, and even when I'm talking about the poker hand and I'm making a call, uh, I'm trying to keep that pot low, right? Just so I can, you know, make a call that it's not going to cost me a lot for that information, but it's valuable information. And that's, I, I feel this is the same here. Um, the hobby is different for everyone. So if you were to say to me, you know, don't do it this way or that way, I mean, it's different. I may enjoy that. What you may hate, I may like, right? So again, more reasons why I just try different things and I want to experience all parts of the hobby. Um, you're not going to win every deal. And I've talked about this on many podcasts through season one. And I, I, I don't know if I've mentioned it in season two, um, but you're not going to win every deal. So don't try, don't try to win every deal. Don't be that person. Um, because if you are, people are not going to want to deal with you anymore. It's tough. It's tough when, you, you know, there's somebody, you know, has got some great cards that you'd really like, and you're really trying to, you know, make a deal with them. And all of a sudden they want, you know, a 25, 30, 35% premium. And you're like, why, 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 why do I have to do this? Why can't we just agree that these are the values of the cards and, 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 you know, let, let, let's just get this deal done. But there's people out there that just can't do it. They just have to win every deal. And I, and I say, when I meet people like that, I say, don't be that guy. Don't be that guy. that has got to win every deal. Right. And some people laugh and some people, they take, take some offense to it, but you know, it's okay to be fair. It's okay to be fair. It's, you know, we'll give a little, you know, there's so many, like, for me, when I set up a show, there's so many deals, so many things happening. You know, sometimes you give a little, sometimes you take a little, but you don't win every time. It, it, it's the sum of all the sales you make are going to add up to positive or negative. Your, your, you know, hobby, you know, uh, bottom line is not going to be based on one single deal you're making unless you're selling a million dollar card. Right. And most of us aren't, you know, and sometimes we see this happening in three, four or $500 cards, a thousand dollar card. You know, I, I just had a deal that I was trying to work with somebody and, you know, I looked at the comps on, on my card were 1800, their card were 2,800. It looked like we were a thousand dollars apart. And then he said, well, I, I need $2,000. Wait, what? He's like, ah, oh, you know, I'll throw you a bone. Let's do 1800. I'm like, it's just way too much. There's no sense continuing on with that negotiation because we are so far apart that it, we're not going to come to a deal. 
Um, so I say, don't try to win every deal. I mean, it's just, it's okay to be fair. It's okay to take a little, it's okay to give a little, but you're not going to win every deal because the deals you think you're going to win, people are going to walk away from, because I've learned that I've learned to walk away from a lot of deals now from people that just want to win by too much in the deal. Uh, flipper or collector. So this is kind of funny. When I started out and, and you can go back and listen to my early season one episodes, I was calling myself a collector. I am a collector when I was probably mostly just flipping cards, right? That's mostly what I was doing, setting up at shows, buying and selling, just flipping cards. You know, now, you know, I call myself a flipper, right? I I mean, I don't call myself a flipper, but, you know, like talk about being a dealer and setting up at shows and buying these cards and going to be flipping them when I go to national, right? Um, But I have a bigger... PC. I'm more of a collector now. I have a bigger PC than I ever had. Right. So how funny is that, that, you know, we start out in one place thinking we're one thing, you know, or I, I, I do. And then I end up on the opposite and thinking, you know, it's what I'm doing. I'm flipping cards, but I have, I'm building an enormous PC now. So it's, uh, that, that I'm really becoming, you know, more of a true collector, even though I'm flipping cards. So funny. Funny how that those things work out. Uh, to deal or not to deal, um, and this is something that it, it's taken a while. It's taken its toll on me. Right, the art of the negotiation has really become tiring for me uh, at these shows. Um, and I do have to say, it, it, it's harder with the younger kids, you know, these these 18 to 23, 24-year-old, you know, that are really, they look at this as a business and, you know, every dollar is important to them. Like, if, if, if I said, you know, 30 and, and they said 25 and I said 28. Uh, they would say 27. And I thought to myself, how, how could this $1 mean that much? But for some people it does, you know, it, it does. I mean, every dollar, I mean, every dollar helps, right? You've heard that saying before, but the art of the negotiation has become tiring for me. It shows. Um, so I've adjusted my prices accordingly as I sell and I've, I have a set price in mind and it's like everything else, you know, if I put a card in there for a hundred dollars, no one's going to pay a hundred dollars for it. If the last comp on the card is a hundred dollars or $105 and I want to get a hundred or $95 from it, I got to put it in there for 110 or 115 or 120, something like that. Right. And, And I'm saying in my mind, the last comp was 105. I want to get 90 for the card. I want to get 95. So somebody will come up and they'll be like, oh, you know, what, what's your best offer? I'll say, we have my offer. You know, you know my price on the card. What's your offer? And if, they, if they're if they there, I say, yeah. They come in and say, oh, I could do 90. Perfect. Deal. Shake hands. I'm not going to come back. Maybe I could go back and get five more dollars, but I'm not going to do that. Uh, I've already set the price in my mind, what I want it for. They come back and say $80. I say, look, best I can do on that is, and that's it. That That's the best I can do. And they come back and I'll say, no, no, the best, I said, the best I could do is, and because I, I, I don't want to spend a lot of time, you know, doing this negotiating. I mean, it was, I would spend 15, 10, 15 minutes at a table. And I realized, you know, all this negotiation was really over maybe 
10, 20, 30, $40, which is really not a lot of money when you're in the grand scheme of things, it's not a lot of money at all. So I, I, I've started just adjusting my prices accordingly. And if you've bought from me at a show, you know, you come up and it, it's quick because, you know, I used to do this dance. We used to oh, dance all around. We're going to do all this stuff and all this negotiating 15 minutes. And at the end of the day, we ended up around the same price anyways. Right. Because I knew what I what I needed to get and I knew what I wanted to get for it. Um, so. The way I look at it is if I'm giving it at a fair price and I feel it was a fair price, it becomes a take it or leave, a leave it negotiation. You know, if you offered me within that price range, then I'm just going to accept it right away and we're done. You, you got what you, you know, you're getting it for that price. I'll shake your hand. Uh, but if you're a little lower, you know, I'll tell you, if you can come up to here, we can get the deal done. Um, and this type of negotiation just saves a lot of time and energy. And I think both sides feel it was an easy deal. Uh, I think people really like coming to a show and people will comment on me to be like, oh, my God, this is the easiest deal I had all day, you know, because I think a lot of people like if, uh, you know, we'll go back to that same card was one hundred dollars and somebody had it at one fifteen and they I felt, and you know, for me, I said I could take 95 for it. So if somebody said, Hey, will you take 95? I'd say yes. But I think anybody else that say 95, they say, Oh no, a hundred, you know, there's because they figure you're coming in at a lower price. Right. So they could probably get you to go up five or $10, but I don't need to do that because I know what I need to get for the price. And I know for the card. And I, if the, if I feel the price is fair, I'm going to make the sale. It's, it's, it's a done deal. Uh, doing what I do best, you know, in my first season, I was trying a bunch of different things, you know, on the podcast, I thought I, I thought I needed, you know, to put variety in there and that's what was going to keep people coming or get new listeners to come in. Um, and what I realized in season two and, and really from the listener comments and, and, you know, from people I've talked to at the shows and just people in my wolf pack, just friends, um, is that I didn't need to do all that stuff. You know, people really enjoyed me, you know, talking about the shows and telling the stories and bring knowledge of things that I've learned out there is what I do best. And people really like that part of what I did. So I listened to the people, right? So you'll notice this in season two, I've really stuck to that. I haven't gone running off doing any other thing. I really stuck to what I feel I do best. And that's what I'm going to continue to do for now. Um, for season three, it's going to be a lot of the same thing, but again, I'm out there. I'm, I'm, I'm participating. I'm doing something every weekend out there. So, uh, I new stories and new experiences and new shows, and I'll just going to keep bringing that to you. Uh, you know, for season three. And, 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 and I said in season two, I'm hoping for more guests in season three. Uh, and I did bring some guests in, but I really didn't bring a lot of guests in, but again, I'm going to say this, I'm going to try to get some more guests, uh, do some more guests, uh, interviews, uh, in season three, uh, a great supporting cast, you know, having, you know, I talked about Rob, such a great friend, uh, is a hobby friend, but just, uh, you know, a friend in life. Um, 
is really, really cool to have a friend like that in the hobby, right? Someone that you're just bouncing stuff back and forth all the time. Um, no matter what we're doing, and we're both in different lanes. I mean, we're both podcasting, but totally different type of content. Uh, we're both setting up at shows, uh, selling totally different types of cards. We're both buying, buying different types of cards, but but that works, right? Uh, so having him, you know, it, you know, as a friend in the hobby is, has been priceless, you know, as well as the entire Wolfpack. I've talked about them season one, season two, just having them being able to bounce things off of them. And, and it's just like a, you know, it's like, you know, the chat group too, the stuff that we talk about, I get a lot of my information just out of that, that chat alone, because they're always, it's always current. Whatever's going on today in the hobby, that's always coming through. They're always talking about it. So I'm ne I never feel like I don't know what's going on in the hobby. I just tune into that 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 chat group and I always know what's going on. Uh, but a huge shout out to my family here at home for understanding the time that I put in to the hobby, the, the, the time away on the weekends that I'm not here and the time creating content, not only, you know, creating the, you know, my own podcast, but I, I'm on the Wolfpack network. You'll find me a lot on sports card therapist, uh, and other interviews I'm doing with, uh, you know, other podcasters. So, you know, it's a, it's a lot of time that, that I put into that. So huge shout out to them. And, and even more importantly, you know, me talking excessively about the national for 11 months of the year. Right. And, and, and they're still not sure why I need to put the in front of national, <laughs> why I just can't call it national. So, uh, somebody tell me and I'll tell them cause I, I really don't know. Um, and a shout out to all you listeners just supporting me, uh, because, Without the listeners listening, right? There's no content for me to create. So just shout out to you guys. Appreciate you coming twice a week, listening and sending your comments in and and messaging me and and yeah, just and love to hear the comments. Love love the feedback and uh, yeah, just keep it coming. Uh, it's going to Chantilly this weekend. Uh, I'll be leaving bright and early Thursday morning. Uh, so I will be back either late Sunday night or Monday. So my Monday episode will drop late. It'll probably drop Monday night, um, but I should have some great content coming back from the uh, the Chantilly show. And that's all I have for you. Uh, happy 100th end of season two. Uh, Monday will start episode one of season three. I want to thank everyone for tuning in. And if you like what you hear, please like, definitely subscribe. And most importantly, tell a friend and spread the word. And until next time, take care of yourselves and everyone around you.